Hey everyone, welcome to Probably Science. I'm Matt Kirshen. There's Andy Wood. Hello there. How's it going? You're checking the recording levels nervously as if something was wrong. <laughs> no, no, everything's good. Everything's good. Well, we've got a jumbo. We've got a jumbo guest episode. As and you open that beer, yeah, in like terms of number the, of we guests, set the scene, set the stage here. We're all on. We're, half of us are pre uh, New Pornographers concert. That's right. So yeah, we're off to there after that, and then so we've got myself, Andy. TJ Chambers, hello, returning sidekick. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's an elevation in my uh, status. So I thank think you. so. I think you. I'll I think that. Yeah, I'd like to think that the prob sires think of me as you I, know. I also want to say that so other guests are like you know don't get jealous. Like how come he's been a guest so many times? No, he's now like filling in as a separate. I'm an emeritus champion, as they were, mm-hmm. a separate we, category. Yeah, yeah. And we, thanks, guys. And we've got a double extra guest. Uh, because I asked one person to show up at very short notice, and then he brought another person who I've also wanted on the show for a while. So, uh, <laughs> bonus. So, we've got Brian Vokey. Hello. And also Carmen Morales. Hey, it's good to be here. Carmen and TJ are sharing a microphone, uh, like John and it's Paul very, style. It's very, yeah. it's very, it's very, very cozy. As we, as we also shared a comedy festival this last weekend, so we this did. is a nice, we're keeping the momentum rolling for me and Carmen. We had a good time. Mm-hmm. That was mm-hmm. up in Phoenix? Yeah, yeah, and or down in Phoenix, depending on your... I would say a, over. Yeah, across. over is... Pro- yeah, yeah, there we go. I've well, gotten that, in a fight with an audience about this, though. Uh, obviously, you know, down and up don't apply to anything that's east and uh, perpendicular. And uh, I once made the mistake of saying I drove from Portland up to Tahoe, where I was performing, and someone's like, you mean down? I'm like, well, technically, uh, it is actually elevation. a higher elevation, yeah. but I did make a mistake, but you're wrong. <laughs> and she's like, no, I think I know this. I'm a geography teacher. I'm like, what? <laughs> Guys, if you want to see some primetime audience fighting, you want to go see Andy Wood perform at your local comedy place. I was like, first of all, how is that a job? You could be replaced by a globe. <laughs> but yeah, if you don't or understand Atlas, the like yeah. orthogonality McNally, of east, west, and up and down. That's... How's uh, getting some children to color in? Yeah. <laughs> I've, I know geography is a real subject that people actually study and research mm. to a high level. It seems like it's, either a, it's either a subset of history or a poor man's... Uh, I mean, it's like it's like only the human. Well, you're just thinking political geography. There's a whole lot of, of the difference between, uh, you know, an estuary no, and a like, tidal outflow, like geology or whatever. No, no, no. Geology is just like striations and shit or whatever. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Oxbow lakes aren't coming under geology. Really? Wait, That's... really? You don't think so? No, hundred percent. No, yeah. That's geology. I mean, I'd say absolutely. A I'd say a geologist know. knows what an oxbow lake is, but I'm also saying they wouldn't be like you know. Okay, if we have geographers, first of all, we don't have any geographers. Our listeners are smarter than that. But if we have uh, any I geographers, actually, I am. A, I'm, I'm a geographer. Oh, damn it. We got some angrily unsubscribing geographers right now. Hey, uh, Brian and Carmen, we like to ask our guests this before we get deep into the stories. Mm-hmm. What, if anything, is your background in science? And we have had a wide array of answers from. Like, I have a degree in it, too. I blew some stuff up in the woods, and I had a teacher I didn't like. Um, My history in science, I was just talking about this earlier, is I am from a school system that was contractually obligated to teach creationism as well as evolution. Wow. Because I I, I love... Because when I just see... Just chatting to you all, hearing you do stand-up, we're a very, very funny comic, but I've talked about this on stage after you. Like, you are what... You are in my head the platonic ideal of an American. Like, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's that is, not a compliment. That is exactly what I'm going for. I don't yeah. care though. That's I feel. You know what? I did comedy in Europe a lot, and I think I developed that. Yeah, you have yeah. stories. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you have. Yeah. 
Yeah, they're yeah. I'm a dirtbag. I just I just saw a CNN I just saw a CNN like headline a, that was I thought also the like ad- a charming dirtbag though. You yeah, know yeah. you're not like get the fuck off my couch, but you're like oh all right. He's a lovable. He's a Kevin James. I mean no, you're not. A, that's awful. No no. I'm sorry. <laughs> that was the first time saying, I was offended so far. What you're saying, Carmen? Yeah, is, it's is, like you can use my shower, dude. I, he's I, not I, Kevin James, but what you're describing is yeah. a Kevin James type uh, uh, a lug a uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, galoot, if you will. I think Kevin James like is trying to be like me. You know, what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know even though you, he's you bear no resemblance old. to Kevin James, I didn't mean to. Uh, but I, I just saw the platonic ideal of an American headline today, which was "Drunk man confronts ex MMA fighter at Walmart." <laughs> like, every word in that. Is, ex- there's no fat on that. The word "at" is Visa. the only <laughs> filler. In that world. actually is the image in, Brian, our, in our family crest. Okay. <laughs> is that whole thing going on? <laughs> so what? So so they? How does it work when they teach creationism alongside? Well, fortunately, I had like kind of a jaded lefty teacher, so she really took the air out of it before she presented. So she's like, "I am legally obliged right. to tell you this." Yeah, yeah, but still, she winking the whole time. <laughs> she, did, I mean, it was in our books, creationism, creation, wow. the public public where, school. Where was what school board is this? What uh, district? This was Gwinnett County, Georgia. Okay. Outside, very too close to Atlanta for this to be. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's not rural. It's like it's touching Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so we had to spend some days on it and it was included in our tests, but she was very, very jaded about it. Do you remember any specific things about like, was it like uh, for point counterpoint, like the earth is, uh, however many, I forgot now, billion slash, uh, alternately the earth might be 6,000. Like what's, Exa- how does exactly. it work? How do they present it in the book or what's the, well, I don't remember much because I got like an 18 in the class, uh, out of a hundred. Oh, yeah. 18%. Good. Cause I barely went. Cause he's just a teenage dirtbag, baby. Would you go to that though? If you were semi-conscious of anything, any any intellectual like inkling that is thriving in yeah. your body, you, you wouldn't. Mean, would go you to- go home and do your fucking assignment? Yeah. Probably not. No. You're like, I'm really sweating this paper on yeah. how the Earth's only 4,700 years old. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Man, I, I'm I'm not sure if I would like get in f- actual arguments with my teacher, or if I would just be like, I know how to answer what they want to hear what grade was this this is fresh this is earth sciences so freshman year high school so ninth grade wow so like that would be about 14 14 years old roughly yeah okay see i would have thought that was something like that was just in your general science like maybe in like when you were 10 or something and but man if you don't know what age is i pictured it being very basic like when you were a kid Mm -mm. it's weird that when you're at a point in which they could ask you to do Algebra, they'd also be but like, I, and BT dubs ignore dinosaur bones. But right. I don't know what age. I, I honestly don't know what age. It's such a ridiculous thing that I don't know what age is worse to to like, just try and implant it in really young kids when they're at the most impless, impressionable and most like uh, right most Five malleable eight, probably yeah. Or or to tell them at like the age of fourteen where they've at least gone some way towards developing a. Like you p- might personal be worldview, undermining stuff that's on that's in progress. That's well, like, I don't know. I mean, it's it's all so fucked. I don't know what wh- I don't know which version is worse. I don't yeah. know what sounds more ludicrous: teaching it at the age of fourteen or teaching at the age of eight. I, either right. way, I was, we were just discussing this, so it feels um, weird bringing it up again twice. But I also I went to uh, 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 my math class had the Ten Commandments tacked on the wall. Wow! Right, right. as as like class. an equation. Uh, it's like five times two. <laughs> That's just the base 10 system. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. It's- yeah, so that, this is exactly what I was dealing with. Like, math class had 10 commandments. Science had creationism. Wow. Uh, and this is a public school, right? This public is- school. 
And it's basically a suburb of Atlanta, you're saying? Or? It is a, definitely a suburb of Atlanta. See, and that's what's weird to me is because I went to school in Florida. We're 23rd in education. Oh, we're 48th. We never had... Really? Oh, well. We never had any kind of religious stuff like that in it's 23rd, school. You're, you're, ahead, you're above average. Yeah. That's not that bad. Well, I, I wonder whether... It's yeah, I wouldn't not, sweat 23rd at all. I would wonder whether the Florida... Like, yeah. Maybe it's 43rd. But I wonder whether Florida is... Admittedly, you don't know how many states there are, so you actually don't know where to rank yourself. Yeah. That's how bad Florida is. I feel, yeah, I feel like I'm proving my point here. Yeah. Well, I wonder, Florida, because Florida is a fucked up state full of weirdos, um, but not overall, on average, probably not that fundamentalist Christian, because their weirdos are very dispersed in their beliefs. Like, there's a lot of Jewish weirdos, there's a lot of different sects well, of yeah, Christianity. It's, it's re- it really is like, it's like the Australia of the entire country. All of the weirdos get sent there. That's right. where everybody, go, everybody comes. Yeah, so it's full of, like, so, old Jewish retirees, and so that they're not going to be voting for Christian versions of creationism. Yeah. And, uh... Yeah, and then people who okay, just want to live in a swamp and fight and right. shoot at things, and they're not really going to be bothered either way, and... Yeah, so I can imagine there just isn't as much. I think you really need that to be uh, like a, a, a single a unifying block. craziness. Yeah, I think that I think it needs to be far less like diverse. Georgia, had, right? Yeah, yeah. if you can buy Christian, and if you can buy beer on Sundays, they're gonna they're gonna teach you the right science. Uh, <laughs> that's good of, rule of thumb. <laughs> that's probably true. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's almost exactly true. Yeah. Carmen, what what about you? So, what was your sciencey background? Um, I actually I really liked it. I was uh, I was fascinated by it. I mean, um, I don't have. I switched. I switched over like once I hit college, and like got really more into the arts and stuff. Uh, but I was always I was never bad in science. Like I used to. Do you remember what your favorite? Did you have a favorite or a least favorite out of the? Mm, I I liked the experiment stuff. I like seeing what happens, but I think that was also just because I liked being analytical. Yeah, which explains. I think that's fair, though. I think that's also just the most interesting thing about, or the thing that certainly gets you into science when for most people when you're younger is actually seeing an, an experiment, mm. seeing something change colors or flames. Something better bubble out of a volcano. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> and the science teachers know that as well. I think, I think like most science teachers have a slight, have at least particularly chemistry, have a sense of showmanship. I was also an asshole though. So it was hard. Cause even though I was interested, like I wasn't supposed to be like, it wasn't cool to be into school, you know? So, I mean, even though I was enjoying the fact that we were dissecting like a pregnant pig, like I had to be like whatever, this yeah. is stupid. Because it's a ventricle. Meanwhile, or something. like yeah, exactly, yeah. It's something whatever. But I still knew what it but was. But if you just blasted a strobe light and put on some death metal, then that changes everything. Right? You know, I would have been into it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a ritual sacrifice, yeah. and not so much a dissection. You don't have to know the parts. You don't have to know the parts. Didn't then. the yeah. video for Closer have? Uh, yep, have some fetal sure pigs going. It had like a pig's heart. Yeah, that was beating to the. <laughs> yeah, that was the heart. Yeah. yeah. Dude, I one time I got a date uh, to go to see this girl. Uh, we went to see Titanic in seventh, sixth or seventh grade. We were dissecting a frog, and I found out that the frog's eyes bounce really oh, high. No. And so I bounced a frog egg, <laughs> a frog eye, at this girl Noelle, and she was like freaked out by it. And then, uh, but I parlayed that interaction into going to see Titanic. Actually, yeah. And then in, her, bro- her brother had in, Down syndrome and he got mad that I took her on a date. So he pushed me up against a locker and licked my face. In Georgia, that's legally a proposal. That, that was that in Maine. Story. That was in Maine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it was in Maine. Yeah, I moved. Oh, I moved from nor- Northern rural city. Yeah, yeah. 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 Georgia North. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you're four. <laughs> it's like a satellite Georgia. 
Mm-hmm. From the from, I think I'm one of the only the people that brought you. Yeah, I don't know if you're familiar with like people like Theo Vaughn's comedy, but I'm one of the yeah. only people who watches him, and I'm like, yep. I don't laugh. I'm just like, yeah, yeah this is yeah, just I how life is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this, is just, this is just life. I don't get what's funny. Just have you dull listened? normal diary of a man? <laughs> <laughs> have you listened? And I, I know I talk about other podcasts too much on our podcast, but have you listened to S Town yet? Oh no! I, everybody's telling me to. Yeah. You gotta listen to it. It's the obligatory. Yeah, it's the. Anybody I, else besides Matt and myself? Mm-mm. I've heard something right. about a man who was like shot in the head who's hilarious in it. So, uh, oh my god, yeah. yeah. I mean, that really makes me sad. That's not giving anything away, but like it's hilarious and sad. A dude was uh, a tertiary character. I say, I say, very minor so bit tertiary. player. Only mentioned because okay, so he was shot in the head accidentally, and the the bullet couldn't be removed. Uh, mm-hmm. So he has a bullet in his head and and a brain <laughs> permanent brain damage. And the only reason they mentioned that is because in some interviews he's in the background doing what he does, which is just always say, "Yep." Yep. <laughs> yep. So, so he's and, the guy from Storage Wars, and but repeat, he just happened to get shot in the head. And repeating stuff back. So, like, if someone's talking about, like, a wardrobe order, it would be like, wardrobe, yep. yep. <laughs> so that's just in the background. Cross so, between, like, a gospel choir and the uh, aliens from Sesame Street. That, like, oh, yeah. Or, like, just yep, a Flavor yep, Flav yep, hype yep. man of the whole it's, thing. Yeah. Just like, I yeah, boy. I didn't know he was tertiary because that's the it's only, important, yeah. the only <laughs> thing I've heard about it so far. That's literally all I know about uh, S-Town. Yeah, I think he shows up briefly in one and a half episodes. Oh, I think it's at least three episodes that have little because they'll warn you like once they introduce the character then sometimes during the interview you'll just hear a yeah hey uh let's ease in with this story i can't see who was i'm I'm off my phone today rather than the computer uh, but i i think this was sent in by jason adams but if if it was sent in by someone else i apologize terror of sending in but um sperm loaded with drugs could target gynecological cancers this is true. I think I think this is a Whoa. fairly easy easy start for us on the probably science team. Like a Trojan I, I, horse. Kind I can't of thing. think of anything interesting or funny about that at all. Yep. It's like basically mm-hmm. strapping a, 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 a suicide harness. strapping yeah. a suicide bomb to your bombing. load. It is. Yeah. It is. It's a micro machine. It's actually the term for it. Um, and yeah, they the way they do it is. Um, it's uh, a group from the Institute for Integrative Nanosciences in Germany. Wait, you should read this in the Micro Machine Guy's voice. <laughs> the system is simple in essence. Medina Sanchez can coast, uh, um, and company simply soak sperm in the active ingredient, which causes the sperm cells to take up surprisingly large doses. They then force the sperm to swim into a kind of mechanical harness, a self-tightening micro-machined structure that attaches what? to the head of the sperm. The harness is coated in iron, which allows the sperm to be steered by an external magnetic field. So the sperm provides the propulsive power, while a doctor can like coax it in the right direction. I'm just picturing uh, the battle cat from He-Man. Is this necessary? This is the kind of shit that makes me think like, how can you how can you doubt science when we're when they're doing shit like this? Right? No, you know what you know I mean. What this how is? can you think the Earth is only? F- See, you know what I mean? This is it, there's no way. How are you going to argue with science when you can do shit like this? Well, the, mm-hmm. the, the reason they say they have to do it, there are problems. There are plenty of problems with drug delivery, particularly to cancerous tissue. Uh-huh. So the chemicals often become diluted in body fluid or absorbed by other organs. And even when they do reach their target, they can't always penetrate the cancerous tissue very easily. Dude, so, no, it's a bunch of nerd scientists figuring out a reason where it's like, look, babe, the only way I can cure cancer <laughs> is if I fucking come all in you. <laughs> it's like the uh, it's like the jellyfish cure thing, just invented yeah. by a dude with a pee fetish. Yeah, yeah, you just got to piss on me. I'm it, so, look, it, if you want this to go away, it does say that in here that this drug just doesn't feel as good with condoms. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> just... That's fair. Okay, okay. So this harness, yeah, this perfect okay. harness on how, how... has a quick release mechanism. So when the device hits a surface, the force of the collision causes the harness to release its grip on the sperm, which then swim away freely as if we care about what happens to the sperm. Uh, <laughs> the idea is that this I happens... I killed billions earlier. This happens when the sperm reaches the tumor where it can then burrow into the tissue and into the cancer cells themselves. Um, Medina, Sanchez, and company have tested the mechanism in their lab. For these tests, they use bull sperm because it's a similar size to human sperm, and they load the sperm with a standard chemotherapy drug called doxorubicin, and then attach the sperm to mechanical harnesses. They test the utility of the system in a variety of experiments in which the sperm swim toward and then enter a standard cancer model. The results make for interesting reading. What do you mean by model? uh, What they describe what that is. uh, Consisting of HeLa cells and HeLa spheroids, which simulate tumors themselves. Let me practice my cum medicine on a model. (laughs) No. That's, fair. That's, That's fair. what I heard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a few of the hexosphere words got left out, but then so, so the, it, does, it slows down the, the metal. Stars, you know, it slows them down. The metal harnesses, uh, they don't need to attach in some specific direction. Or like I'm picturing a harness that something like would put on. But the, yeah, of, exactly. Look at the but picture, these must be so microscopic a, and small. I mean, but they have a directionality could, to them. I don't know how they can. Engineer so if these if the sperm be, are headed in a direction, maybe they just swim right into. I don't know how the they harness get them to go in the right well, like end. The, like of a the whale, like when you're rescuing a whale and they just go in and they get stuck in the thing. Yeah, like sure. that kind of harness. I'm not sure how a whaling harness works. It's, it's a sperm lasso. It's, yeah, it really that's, is. That's what it it's, is. That's, like, it's sperm one audio. of my favorite bands of the late 80s. Sperm lasso? <laughs> yeah. So I'm open so, up for the meat men. So this has numerous advantages, but also numerous disadvantages or considerations. So advantages over other delivery systems like bacteria. Uh, bacteria can trigger immune responses, and they also don't pro- pro- uh, proliferate to form colonies that can cause problems. They also, sperm, protect the drug from enzymes that can degrade it. Uh, and this is poor phrasing oh from the article. This, but I think this is unintentional. Because I, this I think is this is. This technologyreview.com. I don't think they're trying to I be... don't think they're trying to do a cutesy pun. I yeah, think they've yeah. just said this. I'll read out the whole sentence. Okay. It's going to uh, Sperm have their other advantages too. They protect the drug from enzymes that, de- that can degrade it, and they do not dump their load unexpectedly. <laughs> <laughs> There's no reason to even oh, joke. Yep. Which, is, which is a potential problem with drugs carried in molecular cages called micelles. Do you think that's their technique to get I, you to not joke about it? Like, let's just do the good joke for you, so you can. That's actually kind of a good point. They sort of to took say. the teeth out of it right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You get gilded the lily. If you're yeah. To, yeah, It's like making fun of Trump. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Um, all the work does raise important questions that the team will have to tackle. For example, after delivering the sperm, the mechanical harnesses play no further part in the treatment, and understanding the, bo- the way the body deals with and degrades these devices will be important. And there is also the question of how well the amount of drug can be controlled that's related to the number of sperm that complete the journey and how much active ingredient they each carry and deliver, which will need to be calibrated. And they need to test this mechanism with human sperm, which raises the question of ethics. Whose sperm will be used for this kind of treatment and what of the potential for pregnancy? I know whose sperm. It'll be comedians who are getting paid medical studies. Yeah. Yeah. Here's another question. Are they targeting more than just... So, uh, this is going to be me being dumb in nine no, different no, ways. I don't understand. But in theory, Sorry. sperm are swimming towards an egg, right? You always see that little thing of them mm-hmm. wriggling yeah. against the edge, trying to get through the membrane of the egg. If they're targeting cancerous cells and things like that, are these cells that are just in the egg? Or is the notion no, no, that no. sperm are swimming into so many other things? Is it also, are these just it's... super sperm? Like, they're real smart? Is that, is, no, is they're, that con- a thing? they're controlled by the doctor. I, I, I believe. I don't think. They oh, they're dragging any, a magnet around or some shit. Yeah, yeah I don't like think maybe. they specified any speci- any kind of. Um, so they're like a like a remote control car, but with with seed instead. 
Yes, exactly. Okay, right. the article is, the headline does say gynecological cancers, but it doesn't, the after that, specifically say, I mean, obviously it wouldn't be a cancer of an egg because that's not part Right, of it wouldn't, it's not right. a thing anyway, yeah, yeah. This would be, I urge everyone to go home and watch Galaxy Quest and uh, check out the scene where there's magnetic mines and the ship uh, flies close to all of them to pull all the mines towards it and then shoots them towards a target. Uh, they sort of like magnet pull them all in. That sounds like exactly what's happening here. Oh, and I, I'm sorry. Rereading, I skipped a paragraph early on that that said the approach is designed specifically for diseases of the female reproductive tract, such as uh, endometriosis, pelvic inflammatory disease, gynecological cancer, which I don't know what that specifically means. So these loads could others. save my life is these what you're saying? These loads could save your life. Mm-hmm. And I guess they are in the place that they're used to uh, swimming. I, I pictured it being elsewhere in your body and just being able to be directed. But. It also says it's good for treating cancers of the face and hair. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and lower back if you have a tattoo. Uh, there we go. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yep. uh. hey, 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 you know who... Uh, this is um <laughs> I don't know. I think it's slight slight extrapolation in this story, but it's a cutesy story, so we'll do this before we get into slightly harder science. Uh and while we are in the subject of love and what is more romantic than the previous sentence I said. Um uh, T Rex. Oh yeah. T Rex was a sensitive lover, new dinosaur discovery suggests. This story oh. While we're on the subject of lovers, you this- have to. He couldn't jerk her off. He had to be fucking romantic right. and sweet. <laughs> it was short as like he was always the his- small spoon by definition. Yeah, yeah. He couldn't be the large spoon. I Why do you think gorillas are so fucking? They're jerks. They don't need it. They can they can touch their dick. They don't have to be romantic. <laughs> but have you ever seen a chicken fuck a rooster fuck a hen? Because yeah. I thought T Rexes were like big chickens. I guess they, yeah, they sort of. I mean, they're 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 related. I don't so- think it's sort of. I think it just is. <laughs> Was was this part it's of the part of your education? It's like you've got, yeah. if you got, yeah. you got 500 years ago when the T-Rex right. was it's like, out. It's, it's like you've gone too far the other way. Like you've so rebelled from creationism that you haven't quite got the... Yeah, they were literally the generation before... Like a T-Rex great-grandson was a chicken, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I don't know. Yeah, um, they had feathers and fucked like chickens. Th- this story, by the way, sent in by Rachel uh, Karanek, who's been mentioned on the show before, because she is one half of the couple that met on OkCupid as a result of our show. They both what? mentioned liking wow. this podcast in their profiles. Is that what it was? Right? Did they fuck like T-Rexes too? Well, I don't know. Write in, Rachel, or, or her other half. Yeah, I, one of them mentioned the podcast uh, in the profile, and the other one was like, I, I listened to that podcast, and that was the beginning of their... What is now a relationship? Wow! Uh, Congratulations, but, but you, you crazy know, kids. That's, that's great. You know who else is in a relationship? Uh, T Rexes, the fearsome carnivore which stood twenty feet tall, just like a chicken if it were bigger, <laughs> and, and ripped its prey to shreds with dagger-like teeth. Had a snout as sensitive to touch uh, as human fingertips, so a really sensitive uh, snout. T-Rex and other Tyrannosaurus would have used their tactile noses to explore their surroundings, build nests, and carefully pick up fragile eggs and baby offspring. So they had those sni- they were one of those sniffing fetish of people. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the snout is thought to have served another purpose. Experts believe that males and females rub their sensitive faces together in a prehistoric form of foreplay. Every scientist is a fucking creep. 
Every single one of them. <laughs> I think, to be fair, every person is a creep. Like, so then what I said down. was right. Yeah. By def- yeah, that's true. <laughs> why, why did you correct me if Sci- I was still right? Scientists, as a subset of humanity, <laughs> are creeps. Uh, but they just think scientists more accurately journal They look and into exactly it. why they're creeps. Yeah. More and, specific. Yeah, more, more detail is they're, offered. They, they want to cure cancer with cum and figure out how T-Rex fucked. And, yeah, they record it and they peer review their creepiness. <laughs> um, unlike the rest of us who creepiness. keep it secret. <laughs> oh, that was good. So writing in the journal Scientific Reports, the US authors describe how the sensitive skin may have proved crucial to the dinosaur's mating success. In courtship, they explain, Tyrannosaurids might have rubbed their sensitive faces together as part of a pre-copulation play. Uh... Findings follow the discovery of a new member of the family called uh, Daspletosaurus honeri in Montana. <laughs> yeah, there <laughs> it is. There <laughs> it is. Daspletosaurus? Is I think how you pronounce yeah, yeah, that? The, the horny Daplesosaurus. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they lived 74 million years ago, three quarters of the size of the later cousin, with a body length of nine meters. And usually well-preserved fossil skulls and skeletons of several of the creatures were found. Uh, including adults and juveniles. It was the face of this creature that yielded the most important information, opening a new window on Tyrannosaur evolution and anatomy. Yep. The scientists so they used to nuzzle, that's it? Yeah, they, they believe that the dinosaur and other Tyrannosaurus, uh, Tyrannosaurs, including T-Rex, wore a mask of large flat scales with a regions of tough and protective armor-like skin around the snout and jaws. Strikingly, the hard surface of the snout was... So penetra- they're just like an uncircumcised penis face. Yeah, that's how they describe it as well. <laughs> if you just waited for one second, Carmen, before jumping in. <laughs> yeah, it says it. Yeah, here it is. <laughs> yeah, they, so, they're, they're scientists, so they describe it as Goyim Wangs. <laughs> uh, I saw them open for. Uh... <laughs> there it is. Strikingly, the hard surface of the snout was penetrated by numerous small nerve openings or foramina. The head. Yeah, they would have allowed hundreds of branches of the tr- uh, trigeminal nerve to reach the surface of the snout, turning the dinosaur's face into a sensitive third hand. A similar arrangement is seen today in crocodiles and alligators, which have thousands of tiny sensitive bumps called integumentary sensory organs around their jaws. In 2011, scientists at the Yale Peabody Museum of Natural History reported that the animals rubbed these sensitive face bumps on the face and body profusely before mating and found that the behaviors frequently results in what appears to be overstimulation. <laughs> What's the... How do they... Do and in that over- case, frequently was spelled with a K, am I right? Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the, so it's the same thing it's in these dinosaurs. They have super sensitive skin. And the, this nerve plays a special sensory role in many mammals, reptiles, and birds, carrying sensory signals from whiskers and electrical receptors, enabling, for example, the pit viper to home in on infrared radiation from warm-blooded uh, prey. So what you're telling me is a T-Rex is more like a cat than a chicken. Uh, if well, it's, it's nuzzling like, on shit. Or like, like... A, or like a crocodile. Crocodiles nuzzle, apparently, and alligators. They if sense, you were listening. Yeah. They sense both touch and vibrations in water via this nerve, while migrating birds may use it to detect magnetic fields. The band. Yeah, the band magnetic fields. Yeah. 
So it's a little judgy to talk about the overstimulation. Like maybe that's what they just yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's right. Just a T Rex going like I'm so sorry this never happens. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> there's some jaded T Rexes that like, I've never even been understimulated. <laughs> all right, never been a problem for me. So they have a super sensitive area on their nose, is what we found out. Yes, which means that almost everybody who like me has often worried that they're going to get accidentally set back through time uh-huh. now knows where to pet the attacking T-Rex oh. to sort of make it love you and calm this whole thing down. Oh, I was thinking That's just, the most important thing I've learned today. I thought you'd punch it in the nose. So it, well, like listen, do you want a T-Rex that you can ride around on in this scenario or do you okay. want one that is scared of you and runs away? I think you catch more flies with honey. Uh, more That's flies true. with honey hand jobs. Yeah. Yeah. I've never thought about going back in time 400 years ago <laughs> to... Four hundred years ago, as is accurate to your. You actually have the textbook in your lab right now. It's funny that you looked that up. Uh, You know what did happen a long time back in time? What? Uh, I'm trying to guess where you're going next. I don't zigging and zagging. A kind of Brexit. Oh yeah. Sent in by Eric Voicevert friend of the show this is a geological or maybe geographical. I'd say this is geology. This is is definitely geology. It's definitely just geo. It's a geo story. It's a geo story. Geologists reveal how violent Brexit 1.0 separated Britain from Europe. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ignore all of I was going to say, like an earthquake thing or something. Skip the first paragraph. I, I'm right? skipping the cutesy preamble yep. that relates it to the. The title is enough relating to the yeah, current yeah. political situation without having a. No, not yeah, doing it. Yeah, yeah. Should I? But a new study, do you want to take it over? Sure, why not? A new study has revealed how giant waterfalls and later a mega flood severed our connection to France. And by our, of course, this is a Guardian UK story. Um, resulting in the creation of Island Britain and the watery moat of the English Channel. A chance series of geological events set the stage for Britain becoming an island, says Sanjeev Gupta, professor of earth science at Imperial College London and co-author of the research. If it weren't for these events, in a sense, the history of Britain would have been completely different, he added, pointing out that if the ridge had never been breached, Britain would have remained attached to northern France with easy access to the rest of Europe. The research published in the journal Nature Communications by Gupta and colleagues draws together a number of long-held theories and previous studies of the Channel's seafloor with new high-resolution mapping of the landscape under the sea of the Strait of Dover to unravel how Britain became separated from France. It really tells us about the details of how this breaching happened, which we'd only basically guessed at previously. The result is a dramatic tale. About uh, half a million years ago, Britain was connected to France by a long, rocky chalk ridge about 32 kilometers long, behind which was a great lake likely dotted with icebergs, with ice stretching across what is now the North Sea. It would have been cold, gray, rocky, with very, very sparse vegetation that is the surrounding land. It looks like Beria, apparently. But whether whether as a, as a result of melting of the ice sheet or some other reason, it, it seems this dam-like ridge began to overflow... Oh, actually, I think I skipped an important part in an attempt to make this a shorter story. Uh, <laughs> I might edit at yeah. this point. Yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah. At the... And that's why there are no giants anymore. Anyway. 41 <laughs> minutes. Okay. Well, now you can't edit because that was oh, a joke. fuck. <laughs> I did the putting the joke. Okay. Um, if this hadn't so, happened, yeah. the Segway guy would still be alive. The guy who rode his Segway off the cliffs at Dover? Oh. Was it, is that was it I was thought you meant someone who transitioned from one story to another. No. <laughs> I, I, I knew it was a cliff. I didn't realize it was a UK cliff. Yeah, it was the cliffs of Dover. Yeah, he that's a just, famous cliff. He would have just been in France. <laughs> Are you sure? Arguably a worse like fate. A giant, giant cliff? I thought it yeah, was like he, a... He was checking out a uh, off-roading Segway, oh I swear god. to God. Oh my god. Which is right up my alley. It's the best story. Have, um, you, have you ridden a Segway? I have. I've taken a Segway tour of Angel Island. But not only did I, t- I was I was uh, I was training to be a Segway tour guide, 
<laughs> of Angel Island in San Francisco, and I did not make it through the training. What was? Do you, do you do you have any idea what made you not make the cut? Well, there was a few of us like being interviewed at the time. We were getting interviewed on site, and I figured out how to spin around on the Segway, like 360s. So they were like telling us stuff, and I was just like 360 in the Segway. <laughs> this is this is the most low key Top Gun sequel of all time, too. You're just like, I went to training school and be one of the top Segway guys in the world. Right into the danger zone. Br- Brian, stop spinning. Yeah. What, what was I just saying? <laughs> I have no idea. You're I'm a loose fucking... cannon, Volky. You're grounded. Like, I'm on the ground. I'm on a Segway. Uh, the amount of times I made the instructor spill his coffee, it was insane. <laughs> The hard deck for this hop is zero feet because that's where segways go. They are they are fun. The one time I tried them, they are they are a lot of fun. So Angel Island is like an island off of San Francisco, which is like the Ellis Island West, where they process a lot of immigrants. All right, don't try and get your job back now. No, so like, <laughs> I, let me take you on the guide. No, but what all I'm saying is we had to take a ferry there, so I rode a segway on a ferry over the San Francisco Bay. <laughs> well, did you did they let you be on the segway while the ferry was happening, or did you have to park it up oh, and stand well, next to it. What's let mean? I mean, I... <laughs> might it, might, S- society's might, imagining. Is there any chance that island was once actually attached to San Francisco by a chalky coastline and potentially a great lake Whoa. filled with uh, icebergs? Oh, yeah, hero, peppered hero. with icebergs or whatever yeah. you said. Yeah. Dot, yeah. Dotted. Pepper, peppered with icebergs. <laughs> a sousson of icebergs. <laughs> a charcuterie of frozen water. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so that ridge. So it was connected by this long chalky ridge behind which there was the icebergs Sorry. with the ice stretching across. No, I mean, at this point, whatever. You get it. Uh, it would have been a dramatic landscape, says Gupta. The yeah. channel itself would have been dry except for small rivers, while the surrounding land would have been very forbidding. Uh, it would have been, like I said, cold, gray, rocky. But whether as a result of melting the, of the ice sheet or some other reason, it seems the dam-like ridge began to overflow. Uh, we find these huge holes, basically, depressions eroded into the bedrock in the Dover Strait. We believe the best explanation for these is that these were giant plunge pools basically formed by waterfalls from the lake water plunging over the ridge and the sediment holes are enormous reaching up to 140 meters in depth and up to four kilometers in diameter and exist in a line running across the seafloor but while they were first discovered decades ago leading to a change in course for plans for the for the channel tunnel the authors say the new study is the first clear evidence that there are remains of huge plunge pools and uh, erosion of the ridge by the water, the team added, at least partially ruptured the dam-like structure, releasing pent-up lake water, which possibly carved out some of the valleys previously found in the center of the channel. But there was more to come. Uh, analysis of the new data has revealed details of a huge valley etched into the seafloor running from behind the location of the former rock ridge into the channel, cutting across the fossil plunge pools and connecting with the valleys in the center of the channel. That, says Gupta, suggests it was formed by catastrophic flooding possibly sometime around 160,000 years ago during another glacial period. So he said, uh, we think this is actually coming from lakes further upstream, adding that the mega flood possibly also gouged the center of the channel. So uh, the two stages completely opened up the Dover Strait, although Britain probably only fully became an island about 125,000 years ago after sea level rises linked to a warmer climate. So you can say it was a It does actually feel pretty recent. Yeah, I mean, relatively speaking, I'm yeah. about, but people people were uh, were fully formed people. At that yeah, point. yeah, people were kicking it then. Yeah, uh, we'll post links to that story and all the others we cover on the Squarespace powered probably science website, where you can also find the donation button. Oh yeah, we have a bunch of donors. We, we have to thank loads last of week. donors to thank because we forgot to thank some people last week. Um, but uh, so monthly donations. These are going to be a little bit out of order. But monthly donations from Stuart Holding, Kate Birch. 
Justin Broad, very generous monthly donation as well as sending in loads of stories. Zvonimir Karoons, and we've got to thank you for something in a bit later on in the show as well, uh, I think. Yeah. That was, yeah. yeah. Uh, and James Cox as well, as generous of you for your monthly donation. We really appreciate that. Uh, we got the a one-off donation from uh, uh, Idris Guyton. Oh, Idris Guyton. I can't, you sent the pronunciation guy through, but you're not going to hear ta- any of this We've discussed this yeah, before, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Still, still it was it. highly unclear. He's, he's still listening in order. He's only in 2014, so he just heard something like the 2014, and so he sent in a donation on uh, account of that. A super generous one-off donation from Michael Rahu, uh, and also thank you for one-off donations from uh, Michael uh, Mullenan, uh, Nolan Ryan, uh, Cock... Conrad, who I, also, can we stop for a second? Did you, you just say Nolan Ryan? Ryan? I know we saw young winner Nolan Ryan. Multiple, also yeah. a vicious headlock holder. Yeah, <laughs> that was a, yeah, like a forty-three-year-old guy beating up like a twenty-nine-year-old yeah. batter. I, I, I'm. It's I, American baseball. Yeah, okay. great, great, great pitcher. pitcher. Oh, and, and like science listener, and like yeah. one of those guys who probably chugged three beers like in the clubhouse before going out to pitch. Oh, who's the like, guy who claimed that to like, old drink school. a case? Wade Boggs. Oh, Wade Boggs. That's yeah. Way more than a case, dude. It was like 80-something beers from a flight. <laughs> On a flight, right? He's Boston the Depardieu of the MLB. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh... Uh, Conrad, who also I like sent how you just like barely said that first name. Yeah, well, <laughs> also again? interestingly sent in some clarification about some more German pronunciation and as <laughs> thinking, uh, Dickman would mean fat, but Germans would more associate would would more likely to associate it with a type of candy called Dickmans, and then uh, since some other stuff. Um, last week's <laughs> last week's thanks uh, one-off donation from Brandon Jansma Jansma, thank you, Brandon, uh, and then monthly donation from James Casson, Patrick Chalkney, Brooke Gilmore, Ben Marriott, Destruction Jesus. Lane, Rosalie Simonich, Pandora Young, Keith Staddenfield, uh, Linda Edmonds, and Linda Moulton. That is extremely generous yeah. of you every month. That's a very kind Linda, of Stephen Edmonds and Linda Moulton. Yeah, yeah Linda... Yeah. Uh, did I say Linda Edmonds? Sorry. Yeah. Stephen Edmonds, thank you very much. And Linda Moulton, thank you very, very much. And a one-off donation as well. Super generous from Nelson Summerfield, who... Uh, Oh, he's, he's another he's another Michigander, and um, he wrote in about uh, the coal mining job statistics. We were talking about how like everyone's bending over backwards to accommodate this thing. I was like, does anybody even know a fucking coal miner? Like it's this tiny. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, there's like seventy four thousand total. That is just the prototype. Like that's the platonic ideal of an American yeah, yeah. job, and that's just why we're thinking it has to be preserved. But it's not. Um, but like natural gas is better than coal on nearly every metric, apparently. Uh, solar industry is directly employing over uh, a quarter of a million people. And the wind industry nearly ninety thousand compared Jeez. to around like fifty thousand in coal. And even yeah, even at its peak in eighty five, he said the coal mining jobs were at only at one hundred eighty thousand. So, uh, and then he also this. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I, then he's also talking about uh, electricity storage stuff, and people are talking about batteries at the moment because of Tesla and everything. But there are other quite uh, there are other probably better ways to store excess power, such as just pumping water into places or making ice, um, and. Uh, anyway, uh, so yeah, super interesting stuff as well as very there's kind energy, donation. There's energy in the in water changing its form. Well, there's ener- yeah, there's energy in just like there's potential energy in having water up at an elevation because then you can unleash it again and get that energy back again. So like storage of energy doesn't have to always mean yeah. There are there are for, batteries. For example, um, uh, within within his group, uh, they're working with converting excess power to heat using heat pumps uh, or. To, district heating networks in california it can be useful to make ice during the day using excess solar power and then using that for cooling at night Mm. Mm. um but yeah there are there are things like um 
Yeah, just pumping water into different places. That was a thing we've discussed. I think this has come up on the show before. This is one of those, you know, like like Oxbow Lakes is just a thing from school that sticks in your head. Uh, I don't even know. If I I've think it's about really it. only your head. Maybe that's, oh, maybe uh, that's I'm not even sure. Thing. That's what we call it. I yeah. tell you, Oxbow I Lakes. Australians call them shape of, bombs, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oxbow Lakes Oxbow Lakes are all over Britain I'm sure other countries they're just where Oxbow yeah. anytime a, a, a river short circuits the, the little arc of water yeah. left a behind bend? yeah oh, basically bend, but, but that's not connected anymore now yeah. it doesn't uh, have moving water imagine you, you got you got a river and it's, uh-huh. and it's windy but because of the shape of it because of the way things move it's the water's moving faster on the outside of the bend than on the inside which means that there's a tendency for it to cut away more on the outside of the bend and deposit more on the inside which means the bend gets more and more pronounced as the years go on right. until eventually so it's, it creates like a trough until it's until it's a well, really it steep winding, bend winding 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 until eventually until eventually it's just like a little bit of water cuts the corner and then just short circuits and then one it of just bends. cuts that bit off right. and then you're left with a sort of horseshoe shaped lake mm-hmm. that is just used to be part of the river but is now just like a curve that is no longer joined Right, and I've I've heard this. I've tried to look this up to verify because I want it to be true because it's a cool little factoid. If it is, but I can't find verification of it. But that 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 any river of a certain length, the distance as the crow flies from the start to the finish, is always um, the actual distance that the river meanders is always pi over two times the distance as the crow flies because on the average. It's always at half circle, half circle, half circle because like you know half the time it's short circuiting and straight and it's straight. And as much time as that, it's almost at a full circle before it short circuits. So it That's, averages out to like half circle, half circle. That sounds but, plausible. But I, I learned that decades ago, and I haven't actually found it online. But I like it's a cool thing if it's like every river has the same ratio of its that's length crazy. to its geologists, mathematicians true. writing if yeah. that's true. The other thing though, I was going to mention, just a thing you learn in British schools that just stuck in my head is the Dinorwick pump storage system, mm. which is just this couple of lakes. One is higher than the other, and they connect and they're next to each other and in Britain they're just connected by a whole series of turbines or pumps depending which direction they're going in and they're just used for the national grid for the power for the national power circuit when there's an excess of power that's not being used they pump water up to the higher lake and <laughs> at short notice when they when they're suddenly like shit we need we need more Here's power than we currently have they switch the direction of it and makes total sense yeah. yeah when there's an episode of coronation street airing and they know everyone's gonna have their telly on that is that that <laughs> is more power i'm not even kidding that is def that is a thing in britain they they look at what's on the tv say it's like you know a big football wow. match yeah uh, at half time and full time people are going to turn their kettles on oh yeah because they're wow. going to want to have a cup of tea so there is a spike in the power in the power demand in britain in like at half time and full time of major sports events predictable little wizards you yeah and also uh, like during a big episode of Coronation Street that will be Mm -hmm. people want to sit down with a cup of tea that's Uh, crazy because I read a stat that in the United States during the halftime of the Super Bowl Pornhub has its highest spike of the year (laughs) I can't believe it what so it's very it's your tea porn that makes sense, except it doesn't make sense. I mean, like, everyone's watching it socially, so it means you're like, all right, goodbye, my close friends and family. I'll well, be it's back like, now that I got you here, I've been wanting to show y'all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's now eight-layer eight dip. <laughs> oh, God. I forgot this is a fact-based show, and I've just made that up. I just want, <laughs> I just want that to be clear. <laughs> I don't want somebody to write in and just be like, well, that wasn't true. Deeply untrue. Yeah, yeah, yeah I completely made that up. And I fucking had to take the bait and actually question it. Yeah. What am I doing? Like, I don't know. Well, I'm glad you did. It made it better. Anti-social. I, 
Also, while we're here as a guest, I want to thank the spo- the people who donated and sponsored. That's always uh, very, very nice. It's always such a great long list. And I also want to apologize to everyone here for accidentally spilling too many gold flakes in the caviar bucket. So thanks, guys. Thanks, <laughs> everyone, nice for sponsoring. It's very nice. <laughs> I also think you made up most of the list of donors because I know the there's that theory are- that if you start a line, people will just get in it. That's true, right? Oh, yeah. So you just add names. Buska's That's how Nolan Ryan slip in there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Buskers always put a few notes in their in their yeah. hat before yeah. they start there. I don't know if you ever listen to Car Talk on NPR, yeah, but the name a started dollars sounding in their like, tip jar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the name started sounding like all the fake names at the end of Car Talk. Oh right, like <laughs> Dewey Cheatham and Howell. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. Well, the the other way they, you can help us, uh, other than donating, we very much appreciate the don uh, the donors. But anyone shopping on Amazon, if they use our link first, uh, you don't have to remember to do that. If you set our link as the link in your, your bookmark in your browser of choice, our link is on our website. But then uh, we get a little kickback. It costs you no extra. And there's an extra promotion this month, Yeah, right? actually, if you click on that link, or again, go to probablyscience.com, click on our Amazon link. If you uh, sign up for a 30-day free trial of Amazon Music Unlimited... We also get a nice little kickback for that. And again, it's 30 days and it's free. I actually pay for it. I pay, I think, three bucks a month. And now my A-L-E-X-A over there can play any, basically any song at all. It's not just stuff that's in the Oh, you got one of those Amazon dumb bitches Prime. in your house, too? <laughs> oh, yeah. she's great. She's great. Yeah. But to refer to you like uh, a toddler. Yeah, it's why you had to spell her name because she's so ornery. She was like, he's talking about me. <laughs> but yeah, it's tens of millions of songs if you sign up for the Unlimited. You're fine. And uh, I think you'll be hooked once you do. But yeah, 30 days free if you do that. And we get a nice little bonus. So I thought I'd mention uh, Go do that if you haven't the, tried it yet. The other way you can help us, obviously, is by spreading the word, tweeting, Facebooking, writing nice things about us on iTunes, subscribing on iTunes if you're not already subscribing. Uh, and the other way you help us is by sending us stories to probablyscience at gmail.com or tweeting at probablyscience and also sending in clarifications, explanations. Hey, Andy. Yes. Did you oh. ask for anything last week? That has oh, my some- God. Wow. I, I posited a mathematical question to our audience last week, and Quite- people put in a lot of work. It's very impressive. Uh, I'll, I'll reiterate the, for listeners and for you guys. The question I asked was, so it's pretty clear as you get older that time seems to go faster, right? Oh, yeah. And it Absolutely. makes sense because like a year, this past year of my life was, um, you know, just over 2% of my life. But when I was uh, when I was five, the last year was 20% of my life. So it makes sense that every year is yeah. going to be... To a 100-year-old, to one year is just 1% of their existence. But right. that, 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 that 99 to 100 year for them seemed to go much faster so it's than all relative. one to two. Well, it's all relative to how long you've been alive. So right. my question was, at the end of your life, when you look back on it, where was the midpoint as far as how much time you experienced? Like, at what point would you say it felt like before that as much time passed as after that? Yeah. And I misspoke last week, and I said obviously it's between fifty and hundred. I mean, obviously it's between zero and fifty because like you were very annoyed yeah, after the wouldn't podcast. Be on the like, back finish, you were like, oh, ah, you poor like, bastard, yeah. But I mean, I would have guessed just intuitively it's probably somewhere like in the high thirties. Uh, if you live to be a hundred, in a hundred year life, I was like, I bet the feeling of midpoint is probably like mid to late thirties. Out of that. Um, do you guys have any guesses about like what it might be? I would have guessed like 21, 22. That's getting closer. Yeah, yeah. We had a bunch of people write in and... Uh, it, the answers, who were the people who wrote so to credit? I, I hope we don't miss you out because uh, yeah, but no, maybe five or six people wrote in with really thorough and I believe Connor correct answers. Along, uh, Mark McIntosh, um, Connor and uh, David Flint and I think Zvonimir Kroons was on Twitter with a bunch of... And people sent in like... Someone actually sent... Maybe it was... Um, David Flint, an actual attachment of a PDF that is like as if they're presenting this as a paper to like an <laughs> oh article. yeah, 
on the fleeting nature of life. Yeah, this is Connor Walsh. Yeah, it's it's a um, see you in Zurich for this. Yeah. <laughs> but basically, we should have thought about it. It 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 basically amounts to. Well, it sort of depends on where the, the answer, the exact answer depends on whether you're thinking of it as a continuous thing or whether you're measuring it discreetly by years, whether you're, um, like what sort of version of compound interest, whether it kind of resets it's, at right. the end of every year, yeah, or whether you know, it's one like right. continuous with, with interest. You can say, I, I, I've got this savings account. It, it gains, it gives me 5% interest uh, and it compounds annually and you could just do, there's a formula to calculate I that. PRT. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but, but if the you answer- get to if you get to the compounding continuously, eventually, then th- at that point you're involving natural logarithms. Yeah. So which- the question is, if it, w- most people landed on um, effectively in any given year, your perception of that year's amount of time is one over n if n is the year, if n is the age. Mm-hmm. If n is the current age you are, so when you're one, it's just one year is one year. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you are two, it's what, one half. year is half yeah. a year. Yeah. yeah, relative to the previous year. Uh, yeah, and actually, one person did like a sort of brute force method that that makes sense if you just sort of make up these arbitrary units of uh, experience time. If you say your first year is assigned a value of a hundred. The second year gets a value of 50. The third year gets a value of uh, 33.333. And then if you add up all those to 100, you have a total amount of like experienced time of 518.7. This was um, Mark McIntosh's email. Yeah, and then just worked out when and then it hits you, the half mark. When it, the halfway part. And in that case, it would be about, about seven years old. So that's the equivalent of, of like, that's the discrete yeah. compounding every year, not continuously. A few people went for like just sol- actually solving the equation. That, that Yeah, the best one. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, that, if you're doing it discreetly by year, by individual year, that's something called the harmonic series. One plus a half plus a third plus right. a quarter plus a fifth. Which is which pops up in loads of things in mathematics. Weirdly, it's a it's a sum that feels like it should converge on something but doesn't. Because um, you know, like if you have half plus a one plus a half plus a quarter plus an eighth plus a sixteenth, mm-hmm. that converges on two. Like if you're adding it up, it gets closer and closer to two. If you're keeping the running total, it you get like one, but, one and a half, one in, and three quarters, but infinitesimally closer to two without ever yeah, actually with, hitting without it. Without ever hitting yeah, it, right, right. but it's bounded yeah. by it's bounded by two. Right. But this. The harmonic series, one plus a half plus a third plus a quarter plus a fifth. Oh, yeah. Even though it really slows down, it ne- it actually diverges. It never reaches a li- an upper limit. Um, or a lower. Are you saying the, 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 the sum of all those So you things? think it makes right, sense right. for it to apply to time? Uh, well, that was the thing. Okay, so then th- that was the discrete case. Because then, again, you, have, then you have the idea of eternity the... at the end because it never reaches. What's that? Then you have, well, well, no, but that's math. You can apply infinity to things, and you can sometimes things do have a limit at infinity where they don't. Not infinity, eternity. But well, that's not in a mathematical term. But infinity as a number, as as like the highest number imaginable. But eternity would be a time application. Well, that's what I'm of saying. Infinity. Like a, 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 same yeah. thing. Yeah. But, uh, whatever. Yes. But, in math, uh, you'd say infinity. But but if you want, if you're if you're not doing it discreetly as a as a sum of those fractions, if you're not doing it by year, if you're doing it as a continuous process then you need to bring both logarithms and integration into it. Yeah, and the best... Uh, e- not the best. These were all great emails, and I feel bad that I, I tore into Zvonimir Kruins for saying seven, because I'm like, obviously seven couldn't be the midpoint of a 100-year life. Just anecdotally, it seems it did, so... It seems so far off, yeah, yeah. but for the discrete case, it is. And then for the continuous case, as uh, David Flint emailed in... Um, so, yeah, in the, in the continuous case, you're um, doing an integration... Uh, from one to n of of the equation one over x dx, 
Yeah. And if you remember, that's one of the early things you learn in calculus is the integral of that is the natural logarithm. So it's basically... Yeah, you have to start... You can't start at zero on that one because, again, infinity comes in. Did I say zero? No, he said one. You can't can't count from birth or from, like, the moment of birth because one over zero fucks you up. Right, right, right. Oh, that's Uh, true. Yeah, you couldn't... That's true. There's a hole there. Um, But I guess you could start at, like just over whatever okay yeah. so basically at any at any age um the the sum total life experience that you've had is is uh the natural log of that age so we want the natural log of h to equal half of the natural log of 100 to find out what that h halfway point would be and uh so that's exactly just 10 because if you Move the, right. the, way, just the way the logarithm becomes a square root at that the, point. So whatever number you pick, yes. the Got halfway it. point is the square root. Yes. So if you live to be 100, you experienced half your life at age 10, which is so depressing. Then I realized like this is all based on our model that we applied to experiencing time, which is not totally accurate. And then I was like, well, maybe you could apply because you're not out of the womb experiencing time the way you will with the rest of your life. You aren't like logging memories in the same retrievable way. So maybe you say uh, by five or six. Maybe you start the clock, and what if you live from the... So if you live to be like 105, look at it as like, say, 5, I became sort of aware. Then from 5 to 105, the halfway point was 10 more than that 5, which kind of makes sense. You could, I could see an argument for 15. 15, I could be yeah, like... Yeah, that like you were feels saying, like an argument, yeah. yeah By which like everything before that was as important to you as everything after that, and basically. Seemed, and time was so slow. As a kid, I remember 15 minutes feeling like a fucking... If you have to wait like for your dad's oil, oh my God. oil change, like in, sit still for 15 minutes. We're like going a to a store and having to sit there Well, like... Uh, yeah. How much was going to the grocery store torture or some shit? Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. I remember when we'd go on a road trip, we'd have to stop by the post office because my dad was suspended the mail when yeah. we went away for a week and that trip to the post office <sighs> if I was a, if I had a gun I would have blown my brains yeah. out at six years old just because of how long that took like yeah. 15 minutes flies by so fucking fast but to be fair life. I've been spinning on my segue for the last 10 minutes but <laughs> I will say that um, <laughs> what what if you were uh, like John McCain and you were in a Vietnamese prison for two years at age oh, 24 that would really so up you'd, his so half. You'd, you'd rather do it at age sixty-four, is what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Just of course like, you would. Boom, yeah. But I think, I, I think you experience time like a two-year-old, no matter what. If you're in a Vietnamese prison, I think yeah. you're probably right. Yeah. By the way, uh, side note: while we're talking, uh, the harmonic series, that solution, that's also the answer to the problem. Uh, how far off the edge of a table can you balance playing cards? It, uh, I don't understand. Oh, oh, I see. So, say you've got like one card that's just off the edge of the table, and another card just off the edge of that and another card off the oh. edge of that mm-hmm. that's like, a good way to and the question is it? like how far off that can you get the cards the answer is uh, infinitely far if you have enough height and enough cards oh wait no now I don't understand I'm sorry okay you're saying put a card flat put a little bit of it over the edge yeah so you've got you've, you've, you've got a card yeah. you've got a card and you slide it out to the edge of the table but not so far that it tips off and then you put another card on the top of that sliding out as far as you can go and another card out as far as that sliding out as far as you can go the diminishing amounts by which you can keep putting them out is the harmonic. Yeah, and it turns right. out it turns out that distance as a ratio of a card length is one is a half plus a third plus a quarter plus a fifth, which means that there's actually it seems like there should be a limit to how there far off the edge of a table of that you can balance a, a card. Yeah, it isn't. You can actually. Mm. 
you can actually balance. Well, isn't that the same thing like when you can fold a, pe- a piece of paper in half and then half and then throw it and then a half? Well, that half. does well, that, have a limit. That, well, it doesn't have a limit if if you could make a, a, if you could keep making the paper longer and longer forever. It just has a practical limit because it it would have to be it would have to start off as the known uh, length of the universe. Before, right. If if you wanted to have, 20, we all saw that Mythbusters episode. Shout out to Adam Savage, previous how far guest did he of Probably get? Science. How, how they made like a warehouse size sheet of paper, and I want to say they folded it seventeen times. Whoa. A lot of times. Damn. Yeah, uh, but I think, I, I think, I'll check on that. I think only like five or six more folds than that, and you would be like literally. Know, they would be. Yeah, the yeah. it gets it gets something. pretty yeah, big yeah. pretty quick. But yeah, it seems super counterintuitive that you can that there is no limit to how far off the edge of a table you can push a you can balance a stack of crap playing cards. Does that mean that literally at some point it would be ten feet off the edge of the table? Uh, it would be, but the number of cards that you need to have and the height of it would be uh, more than cards exist in the universe, right. probably. But still, but it wow. is it is a theoretical. Everyone check in next week for a special video, probably science. Where mm-hmm. we, yeah. yeah, we're going to do a thought get experiment a, with get cards. A card table. But again, thank um, you guys so much for all the work you put in. Like, I can't believe how many people did rigorous math on this, and I'm sorry that I belittled it in the beginning. <laughs> no, it was it was great. Uh, I apologize if we missed name checking someone. I know there was at least one on Facebook that I can't access right now on my phone, and a couple of others. But uh, yeah, you you all sent in answers, and I think you pretty much all got it right. And yeah, it everyone, was really who, went, cool to everyone see. who went discreet did like seven years, and everyone who went continuous was square root maybe it was just David that got to the square root thing but yeah uh, no I think a couple of people did but yeah that was that was really cool do we have time for one more story but do we I do think we... so if it's quick yeah what do you got Andy you got a story um, for us um well there was one that was just sent in by a few hold on a second do you guys like octopuses or tying shoes Octopus. or or wait or <laughs> damn it there was... don't blow your load there's a third option <laughs> What if she has cancer? Hey, yeah, hey. yeah, yeah. It's a call. Oh, no, I'm sorry. No, this is one from. On the we should have gotten to this last week. My teeth whistled like the you guys, fever. Viagra, <laughs> yeah, the poo. Viagra cures j- hamster jet lag. We have to cover this. Do you want? Do you want to do that? Yeah, I've got a memory story as well that we could do if we have time. But oh, I think shit. the hamster one. But I mean, this is probably is this a short. Richard Gear Viagra cures hamster jet lag. Yeah, um, he, sh- he shoved a Viagra up his ass, and the gerbil came out feeling great. <laughs> So it turns out this uh, the, the, the little blue pill commonly used to treat erectile dysfunction is also good for relieving some forms of jet lag, or at least in hamsters. Diego Golombek and his colleagues at university at the National University of Quilmes in Buenos Aires, Argentina, injected hamsters with sildenafil, sildenafil, whatever yeah, that's the generic, generic version yeah, of yeah. Viagra is, and then pushed the animal's light-slash-dark schedule ahead by six hours, roughly the equivalent of putting them on a plane from New York to Paris. <laughs> Hamsters who'd had a dose of sildenafil or sildenafil? Sildenafil, Sildenafil. Adjusted their busy wheel-running schedules to the light regime 50% faster, the team reports in Proceedings <laughs> of the National Academy of Sciences. Although the results seem to provide relief to jet-setting hamsters, whether the drug will have the same effect in humans remains to be seen. If the drug does work in humans, it could be easier to use than melatonin, a hormone used to overcome jet lag that requires several doses to have a significant effect. Gollumbeck's hamsters only needed a single dose of Viagra to accelerate their adjustment to new time zones. But the drug was administered by injection, and it isn't yet known whether taking one of those little blue pills... Are these also like injection. Male, male rats, or was it, ma- was it male and female? Uh, I don't think they limited which one it was. Um, was it aroused? Was it hard? They Let's see. Side effect-wise... Um, Hamsters. It was fucking all the other. 
in hamsters as in humans, sildenafil is, to use the parlance of the field, erectogenic. Uh-huh. Um, but Colin Beck says the hamsters were able to adjust 33% faster to the six-hour. Wait, what do you mean, but? He didn't acknowledge whether the hamsters actually Yeah, yeah that's, that's a pivot off of that. Yeah. Yeah. Also, that's the name of my funk band. Erectogenic. <laughs> erectogenic. Erect, erectophonic. Um, oh, no, I'm sorry. He, they were able to adjust to this change 33% faster uh, at what is thought to be sub- Erectogenic doses of the drug. Um, okay, so Dude, maybe so, you wouldn't get a boner, but oh. you get over jet lag. You might get a semi. The yeah. only topic that wasn't <laughs> creepy a, and weird was the one chub, y'all came bright-eyed up and bushy-tailed. <laughs> yeah, was the it, one that what? what was the one y'all came up with? The time and how you experience life in time was your topic. Everything the other three creepy. science ones were all like weird, creepy. It was to offset well, the hard math of that. Well, here, so gotta have some, we, I, I want to get quote unquote hard math. Okay, yeah, let's do memory because we talked a bit about memory. We've we, uh, the episode a while ago with Matt Walker, the sleep expert. We talked about yeah, memory. Yeah. It's come up before and how it gets how we thought it got logged into long term yeah. memory. And like, so yeah, um, the rules of memory have been beautifully rewritten. What happens when we make and store memories has been unraveled in a discovery that surprised even the scientists who made it. The US and Japanese team found that the brain doubles up by simultaneously making two memories of events. Uh, one is for here and now, or the other for a lifetime. So it was thought that all memories started as a short-term memory and then slowly converted into a long-term one. That's what we've been saying for years. We've mentioned this on the show. We thought that... TJ has an sleep interview. Is, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, this is crazy that you're saying this. C- carry on, and then I'll, yeah. I'll jump in. Because sleep, sleep is, we previously talked about how that's one of the things that happens in REM sleep. That's your brain writing short-term memory into long-term memory. But experts said the findings were surprising, but also beautiful and convincing. Two parts of the brain are heavily involved in remembering our personal experiences. The hippocampus is the place for short-term memories, while the cortex is home to long-term this, this idea became famous after the case of Henry Molaison in the 50s. His hippocampus was damaged during epilepsy surgery, and he was no longer able to make new memories, but the ones from before the operation were still there. So the prevailing idea is that memories are formed in the hippocampus and then moved to the cortex where they are banked. The team at the Reichen MIT Center for Neural Circuit Genetics have done something mind-boggling advanced to show this is not the case. The experiments had to be performed on mice, but the thought to apply to humans too. They involved watching specific memories form as a cluster of connected brain cells in reaction to a shock. Researchers then used light beamed into the brain to control the activity of individual neurons. I can't believe that's possible. I know. They could individually, they could literally switch memories on or off. The results published in Science show that memories were formed simultaneously in both the hippocampus and the cortex. Uh, the professor uh, Susumo Tongewa, the director of the research center, said this was surprising. So it's just like you recording this podcast through these mics and then through a Zoom recorder as well. Yeah, and through exactly. two Zoom. Re- which uh, they're both Zooms. Which one is the long term Zoom? I don't yeah. know. <laughs> this has long been my. I'm not smart. This has long been my theory for what deja vu is. I thought that it was a second copy of your memory, which every so often accidentally gets refiled in a different temporal part of your brain, different time. I think that's so that you literally are experiencing it. You, you, you would have no reason to think that you weren't experiencing an old memory because a copy of it accidentally got put in a different time in your brain for lack of a better term. An expert ish person saying that as a theory of it also. So you're saying that I, I, TJ Chambers, I'm an expert ish person. I appreciate the suffix. So you're saying deja vu is just a shitty file clerk in your brain. That's a hundred percent right. Then they may, well, 
So, so what happens is the mice do not seem to use the cortex's long-term memory in the first few days after it's formed. They forgot the shock event when scientists turned off the short-term memory in the hippocampus. However, they could then make the mice remember by manually switching the long-term memory on, so it was definitely there. It's immature or silent for the first several days after formation. The researchers also showed the long-term memory never matured if the connection between the hippocampus and the cortex was blocked. So there is still a link between the two parts of the brain. So there is that link. So that deja vu might be part of that with a balance of power shifting from the hippocampus to the cortex over time. Uh, Dr. Amy Milton, who researches memory at Cambridge, said the study was beautiful, elegant, and extremely impressive. I said, I'm quite That's surprised. That's very Trumpian description yep. of that study. Bigly. Beautiful. Right? Fabulous. Yeah. Uh, she, she said, the idea you need the cortex memory I'm comfortable with, but the fact it's so early is a surprise. This is just one study, but I think they've got a strong case. I think it's convincing, and I think this will tell us about how memories are stored in humans as well. For now, this is simply a piece of fundamental science that explains how a body works. But Professor Tongewa says it might eliminate, uh, sorry, illuminate what goes on in some diseases of memory, including dementia. One of his previous studies showed mice with Alzheimer's were still forming memories, but were not able to retrieve them. Understanding how this happens may be relevant in brain disease patients. So maybe it's just like the Alzheimer's just creates a spike between those two things that communicate. Oh. So they can only they can only they can only re, um, remember the long term memories like yeah it's, but it's harder for them to have the short term I I don't know it's not not clear but it, it's sort of really weird because yeah we always thought I thought we've talked about this on the show before and experts generally thought you you have an experience your brain writes that into short term memory and then there's some process and sleep is part of that where if your body if your brain decides this is sufficiently important it goes from like the little short-term memory it actually migrates into yeah it's like it it goes filed away in the long term like um but it seems that actually both files are created at the same time but for the first three or four days the long-term memory is like ah we don't need to worry about this yet and then after three or four days then your brain goes all right now now this now we can be aware allow it to mature yeah yeah so how long until neuroscientists can finally precisely locate the spank bank? Are we close to that? <laughs> I guarantee you they're working on it, dude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if, yeah, if these stories are any joke. Based on everything else creepy that we've heard about. We're going to fucking harness some sperm and pump a gerbil full of Viagra. <laughs> see if we can figure out what's going on in see this hippocampus. the gerbil remembers getting the Viagra shot when it was jet lagged. I, I got to say that before we, before we fully malign science and all, scientists and all science, I think our collection of stories are slightly self-selecting. <laughs> or slightly oh, there selected. is a slight chance that... Are you saying the a, ones that make the say. common science press that you read are more salacious <laughs> than I, the other ones? I would say also the ones that are then highlighted by our listenership and yeah. put across... Oh, you blame them, you put, dirty motherfuckers. And put, put within our purview and... And then maybe noticed by us. I there, think there's three levels of selection, there's, all there's, of which filter towards the perv. There is an information bubble at play with this podcast. <laughs> there definitely there's definitely an echo chamber of ball jokes. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's well, all I'll have, I'll have none of it. And uh, <laughs> I don't support it. He just, Brian just turned his segue around and just like back to, just so <laughs> listeners know, he has just left. I did an Irish segue exit. <laughs> <laughs> Hey Brian, Brian and Carmen. Before Brian, before you fully leave on your segue, and Carmen uh, as well. Before you leave on your m- mode of transport of choice, 
How can our listeners find out more about you and where you're performing and where you're doing things? Okay. Uh, I, run a, I run a show monthly at the Improv called Adrenaline. I'm also a monthly show at Nerd Melt called Comedian Cinema Club. I have a podcast with Carmen Morales called No Sir, I Don't Like It. Where we, uh, we, we talk about stuff we don't like and we have guests talk about stuff they don't like. And you can nice. find me on all social media as just Brian Vokey. Brian with a Y, V-O-K-E-Y. Uh, adrenaline is really fun. I did that last month. You, you were great. You get to do you do stand up, but before you do your set, you pull an extra challenge out of your hat out of a hat. So I, for example, had to do my entire set without saying the words. Was it and the or um? Yep. Whoa. Jesus. <laughs> and let's just say that Matt did it better than anybody has done it so far. Yeah. It and was incredible. That's Tough remarkable challenge. because I struggled a lot. Like, yeah. It's it, it was clear that Did you, go you were slowly. Doing- well, here's why it's tricky. You go slowly at first, and then you realize, oh, I'm getting to a bit that doesn't have like doesn't have either of the words, and I can do it fluidly without arming. So I then go into run, and then forget because it and and the are such nothing words in how your brain considers them. They're such yeah. connective tissue that you don't notice that you're using them. The last person who did it for you, I can't remember their name. Maybe it was Sarah Tiana. I can't remember. But uh, she was just talking about how she's like, um, is my crutch to make you think I'm thinking of this on the spot. Oh, no, that was me. I said that. Was that you? Yeah, that was me. I was like, <laughs> I, I sort of said, like, I, I said something to the that's going to be tricky because I definitely use um to to add an air of improvisation to very pre-prepared material. <laughs> well, I don't think my long term memory. Right now, <laughs> I don't think my long term memory finished developing. So. <laughs> Come and where can our listeners find you? Uh, you can find podcast. Uh, CarmenMorales.com for all your Carmen Morales needs on all the social media it's at the funny Carmen and TJ Chambers LA at TJ Chambers LA on everything on the Twitter Br- on the Twitter on the Instagram Bridgetown in a few weeks Phoenix Comic Con after that San Diego Comic Con after that come say hi all the cons you, you can find us at Bridgetown yes would and, you call uh, yourself a con artist hey I like that <laughs> uh, we also just announced that Bridgetown is going to have an evening with the guys from the new Mystery Science Theater 3000 which pretty. that's the thing that I was like gunning for all year I'm like this has to happen because like the new cast is all like people of our they're all, yeah, yeah. They're all Bridgetown alums yeah. Yeah, it's everyone. Crazy. Everyone on the cut, the main three cast are. Uh, yeah, the voices of Crow and Tom Servo are Hampton Yet and Baron Vaughn, and then uh, Jonah Ray is the new is the new Joel, basically Jonah Heston on the satellite of love. So that's uh, going to be happening. Oh. Go to BridgetownComedy.com for info. May fourth through seventh in Portland, Oregon, and Brit- and Portland uh, probably signs it there as well. As are both of us. Yes. Uh, but yep, yeah, that's everything. Keep those stories coming. Keep your corrections, comments, clarifications. Probably science gmail.com at probably science. We're also on Facebook. Uh, slash probably science donation button is at probably science.com that's also where you can find the amazon link spread the word say nice things follow our guests and find them at shows thank you very much for joining us oh, thank you for having me this is fun thanks for having us on bye thanks, guys. to the new pornographer's show bye.